Good evening and welcome to our 6pm podcast. Whether you're young or old, a regular member or joining us for the very first time here online, it's great to have you with us. My name's Pete Stacey, I'm the evening pastor here at Shell Harbour City Anglican Church and I'm sitting here in an empty car park and it's a good reminder that church, it's not about the building we meet in, church is the people of God gathering together in Jesus' name to hear his words, sing his praises and encourage one another. Well, tonight we come to the end of our series on that little book called Titus. Andrew Monk is going to take us through chapter three as we wrap up the series. And it's been a great mix of encouragement and challenge and comfort as we've been focusing on the trustworthy message of God to us in such unsettling times when many things we thought were certainties have been stripped back or disappeared and fear and anxiety are increasing, understandably. It's so important. In fact, it's wonderful to have the trustworthy message of God as a foundation to live on when everything seems to be crumbling around us. Listen to these opening words from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So tonight, we're going to sing together. I'll chat to a couple of people about how they're coping with the massive changes and still managing to connect with people and connect with God. We'll pray together and, of course, we'll listen to God's word read and explained. And there's a little surprise at the end too. I hope you enjoy it. But before we sing, let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together tonight here online, I thank you that you are here with us as we gather. And I pray that our time together may be deeply encouraging and helpful for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's now sing together. Jesus 
Well, what a privilege it is to sing, even in these challenging times. I've got to admit, I really miss hearing the voices all around me as I sing, uh, but it's the measure we need to take because of social distancing. I think it should actually be called physical distancing because we need to maintain our social connectedness in new ways, creative ways. So tonight I've asked a few people to share how they're staying connected with other people and connected with God at this challenging time. Let's talk firstly to Michelle Thomas. So Michelle, with all this social distancing, what are some of the ways you've found to connect with people? So this week I've been madly learning a couple of different uh, video conferencing platforms because my school is using one and church is using one and, you know, they all work similarly, but um, that's, been, that's been interesting. And um, I guess with uh, my family, we've, we've got quite a few group chats going on in Messenger and um, just lots of messaging and phone calls and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I guess technology has been uh, really useful and really helpful at, at the moment. And what about in the home itself? Yes, yeah, so um, at home, uh, the kids and I, I guess we've been uh, trying new things as well and trying to make sure we're communicating really well. Um, it's been interesting being at work um, and the kids have been at home and um, I've actually been checking in on them and seeing how they're going with their schoolwork using um, FaceTime yeah. and stuff like that. But um, yeah, definitely communicating in the household has been really important and it will be next week when Brian and I are both working from home and so are the yeah. kids. So. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ma massive changes to routine. Um, yeah. And so with those changes, it uh, often puts pressure on how we spend time with God. What are some of the things you're trying in that regard? So we're trying as much as we can just to keep some things going as they were. So church and um, connect groups and youth group are all still happening, um, just using um, video conferencing and um, the podcasting and all that sort of stuff. Um, but certainly um, for me, my prayer life has increased and probably changed a little bit in terms of the context of the, the prayers and what I'm praying for. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it's been interesting. Ellen started journaling a little bit before all this started, but she's actually inspired me. So um, I've actually started journaling since the start of this came in. And um, I got out my journal just today and, and the very first page is actually COVID-19 and it's kind of the start mm -hmm. of, um, wow. yeah, sort of my journey, mm. um, yeah, through this whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. so journaling, um, yeah, and music for me has been really important as well. So Last Friday night, you also did your first talk for youth group. Um, yeah. Classic timing with all the changes, uh, but it was really great. And spending all that extra time in in one passage. I mean, you obviously spent a lot of time in preparation. How did mm. how was that for you? How did that impact you in your own walk with God? Uh, look, it, it's I think it's um it's funny because you think that um, God will use those sorts of things to bless other people through what you're doing. Um, but he's certainly blessed me at that time, like through the last, you know, two or three weeks in particular, mm. um, just as I've been spending a lot of extra time reading, um, not just his word, but commentaries and um, really trying to sort of sort through all of that um, and come up with um, the best way, I guess, to be able to present that to, to youth um, yeah. in the most in way that's going to be the most meaningful. So it's been a real blessing for me personally. Um, yeah, to spend time with God like that and also just to think about all the resources that are out there to be able to do that because there's lots. Fantastic. Thank, thanks so much for sharing with us. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Hey, everyone. It's Ryan and I have the privilege of leading us in prayer for this podcast. So let's do that now. Let's spend some time in prayer. 
Loving Father, thank you that you are a God who loves. You love the world and especially you love us as your chosen people. And that love is all the more special at times like these, when the world around us might be crazy, even scary and unknown, but no matter what, you love us. Lord, we are sorry for our sin when we have failed to love you or love others as we should. We don't always live as you made us to and as you called us to, and for that we are sorry. Be with us by your Spirit and change us to be more like Jesus. Help us to love one another and show your love to the world at this difficult and challenging time. Heavenly Father, help us as your people to grow together as we meet around your word in this way. Thank you for the great blessing it is that we can meet together, despite not being together physically. We pray that meeting like this would not be a barrier to the gospel, but in fact we would turn church online into an opportunity to share our church services with those who might not get any other opportunity uh, to engage with church otherwise. And help us as we adapt to the week, these weeks when we, get, we will be physically apart uh, and help us, uh, yeah, despite that, to be drawn together spiritually. We know your church is not a building, but a people. So help us to grow together, no matter where we are. We also pray that we would be a church that speaks the good news. In particular, we pray that for our connect groups. Lord, be with our connect groups uh, and our connect group leaders uh, by your spirit. Uh, give the leaders of them wisdom and guidance on how to lead their groups well in the midst of everything that's going on so that our connect groups would continue to thrive and be places where the good news is spoken. Similarly, we pray for Amy Stevens, our link missionary in Argentina, as uh, she seeks to take the gospel to the world. Strengthen her and embolden her to share the good news of Jesus there as much as she can at this time and respond in a godly uh, way to the potential gospel opportunities uh, that this may present her. And we pray for Eagle Vale Anglican Church in Campbelltown as they seek to speak the good news there. Give the members there resilience and devotion in this difficult time and wisdom uh, to the leaders there on how to navigate this situation. That the gospel may be spoken to the to the members and to the community around them in good times or bad. And finally, Lord, we ask uh, that we would be a church that supports each other. In that spirit, we pray especially for Dom, Sadi and Cameron Rhodes, Ian and Helen Renitz, Rachel Renitz, Liz, Valdo and Ben, Olivia, Rostevsky and Peter Rosen. Sorry, for Liz, Valdo, Ben and Olivia Rostevsky and Peter, Rosie, Matthew, Samuel, Thomas, and Timothy Roach. Please ever be growing them uh, in your knowledge and love uh, through time spent in your word, prayer, and in fellowship with your people. And we pray that they are safe, healthy, and well. And help us as a church to be a loving and supportive community. You told us that the world will recognize us in how we treat each other. So help us to take the opportunities uh, in this time to love each other uh, well as we are able to, particularly 
those who are most in need at this time. Lord, bind us together in your love and protect us who share in the name of Jesus, that we may be one as you are one. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I've got Paul Sanders with me and he's about to read the Bible for us. Um, but before he does, if you haven't got your own Bible, how about you pause this uh, podcast now, go and grab your Bible, look it up, it's Titus chapter 3. Uh, Paul, before you read to us, I want to ask you two questions. Uh, with all this social isolating, how are you connecting to other people and how are you connecting to God? Well, I'm definitely connecting to people via email because uh, my phone's broken at the moment. Um, definitely uh, phone calls and texts via my wife's phone and just recently uh, Facebook and Zoom. And, and what about your connection with God? You know, all the you know, change to routine and all that sort of thing's hard. Yeah, I suppose with the change to routine, it's, it's given us an opportunity to be better connected with God as a family. So... Yeah. Uh, before the kick start the day, we're going to have a morning devotion and prayer time. Um, so that's going to be uh, something different for us as a family. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, mate, how about you read the Bible to us? Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward one everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I sent Artemis and Titicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenith the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Hi and uh, welcome. Uh, I hope you're well and uh, thank you for joining us uh, for this new social distancing kind of church. Uh, I'm Andrew Monk and today we're going to look at uh, the last in our series on Paul's letter to his protege Titus 
Uh, I'm going to focus particularly on Titus 3, 1 to 8, uh, and it'd be great if you can have a Bible open with you uh, at this passage as we consider it together. Uh, in all the coronavirus news and the problems it's causing, it's been really encouraging, hasn't it, to hear the stories about how people are really pulling together, uh, looking out for their neighbours, uh, starting Facebook groups to help uh, find people who uh, are in need and, and uh, get people to get in touch with them uh, because they can't get out. Uh, unfortunately, it's often the case that it takes a disaster like this for us to really get uh, to be kind to one another. Uh, but even now, there are still those who, well, it's hard to be kind to, isn't there? Uh, there are those who refuse to follow government directions about social distancing, or who continue to hoard the basic essentials, leaving nothing for anybody else. Uh, and there are those who, people who, you, you just don't get on with them. Uh, you know, the complaining neighbour who uh, never has anything good about to say about anyone, or that family uh, that's always having loud, foul-mouthed arguments in the middle of the night, uh, or that person who, well... <laughs> They're just really a piece of work. Uh, we don't mind doing good to the nice people around us, the friendly people who will acknowledge what we've done. But when it comes to doing good to the not-so-nice people, to the ungodly people, well, that's a rather different matter, isn't it? But as Paul writes to Titus, he tells him to remind the people in his church that they are to always be gentle toward everyone. Uh, the idea here is that we're to be genuinely generous, perfectly courteous to all people. Now, it's quite a big ask, isn't it? Uh, and so we need to look carefully at why Paul tells us this and uh, the motivation he gives us for doing it as, uh, as we can put it into practice. And we find that in Titus 3, 1 to 8. Uh, so I have that open. And as we look at that passage, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we open your word together today, Please speak to us through it. May my words be true to your word and helpful for us. By your Holy Spirit, apply your word into our hearts today that we may be strengthened in you and please you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in verse 3, Paul begins to explain why, as Christians, we particularly are to be generous, genuinely, to everybody, including those who aren't Christians. And we see that there are both similarities, uh, but also profound differences to the reasons most other people give for offering help. So for the charity-minded people in society, we should help others because basically we're all the same, aren't we? Yeah, we could be the one needing help. And so we should offer that help to those who are in need now. Uh, it's usually linked to the idea that uh, if we do good to others, then good will come back to us, you know, good karma. It's a bit more difficult to use this argument for those people who really don't seem to deserve our help, but we make excuses for them, don't we? You know, their bad behaviour, well, it was really just a lapse of judgement uh, or a brain snap, uh, or it's the result of their upbringing and, uh, in difficult circumstances. It isn't really their fault. Deep down, we're really all good people who deserve one another's help. But Paul's assessment here while it agrees in many ways that we're the same as one another and we do need to help each other, the assessment of what we're really like is very different. And so Paul's description in verse 3 of what people are like without Christ, well, it's not really a pretty picture. He says, We're foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We live in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
It's a description that rings so true to our own experience of the people that we rub shoulders with day by day, doesn't it? If they don't, didn't do such foolish things like drink too much or, uh, or waste their money on gambling, then they wouldn't need our help. And people are so disobedient. Not only are people willing to disregard the laws of the land and speed or fudge their tax return or disregard social distancing rules, but they completely ignore God's rules as well. They're so self-absorbed with their own passions and pleasures, as Paul puts it, that they're really enslaved to them. They don't see that their desire for that top job or, or with all its power and prestige is causing their marriage to break down. Or, or they're focused on making sure that they have more toilet paper than they could ever possibly use prevents them from being generous to others. Why should we be generous towards people like that? when they show their openly non-Christian lifestyle that they really don't deserve it. And it's not just their lifestyle that's so undeserving of our courtesy. It's how they treat people, including how they treat us. Paul says they're full of malice and hate. They can't show common courtesy to us. Why should we show perfect courtesy to them? Be kind to some people and they'll simply use it as an opportunity to knife you in the back. They'll accuse you of trying to buy your way into their good books or, or only doing it because it helps you. Uh, their world is so filled with hatred that they expect everyone to hate them as much as they hate everyone else. And therefore, they're simply unable to receive a purely generous action. They don't deserve it and are likely to throw it back in our face if we gave it to them. Well, Paul knew only too well that people who aren't followers of Jesus can be very hard to get on with. He'd faced more than enough opposition to know that. He knew that by and large, people don't deserve to be treated with kindness. But the barb in Paul's description of what people are like is that he's actually describing us. And so verse 3 begins, At one time, we too were just like this. Now, hopefully we can see the effect of God's work in our life so that we aren't completely like this anymore. But there was a time when we did live the ungodly life of those without Christ. For some of us, that's harder to remember than for others. Some people have had the real blessing of being brought up so that they've always had a relationship with Jesus. Others have been following Jesus for so long it's hard to remember what we were like before we put our trust in him. But even now, we still know the thoughts that come into our minds, the struggle we have to obey or to be generous to others. If we are honest with ourselves, we know that deep down, we can be just as malicious and hateful and selfish as anyone else. We must not fall into the devil's trap of thinking that somehow we are better than other people, that we are more deserving of God's love. When we're tempted to look at other people and think that we're better than them, we need to be able to say with all honesty, there but for the grace of God go I. Because it's only as we recognise that we are the ones who don't deserve generosity and courtesy that we can truly appreciate the wonder of how God treats us, the undeserving, which Paul goes on to explain in verse 4. And there he says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
God has shown his kindness and his love to you by sending Jesus to die for you. Because of what we were like, we were headed for a certain eternity without God. And yet God saves us. It seems so basic. It's something we've heard so many times. But in all the uncertainty that surrounds us at the moment, can there be anything more wonderful, more reassuring, more comforting than to know that God has saved you? There really is nothing better than that. And because it becomes even more amazing when we see that it's not because of anything we deserved. It wasn't because of righteous things we'd done, but simply because of God's mercy to us. Now, we often find it hard to understand why God doesn't save everyone. But you know what's really inexplicable? It's that God chooses to save any of us at all. But not only has God saved us, but he's also changing us. Uh, I alluded to it before, that if we can see any difference between ourselves and the people around about us, it's only because God is working in us. God has saved us through the washing of new birth. We've been washed clean of our old way of life and been given a fresh start. And it's not just a chance to have our time over again, because God has generously poured his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we have the renewal work of God's Spirit going on in our life. The kindness and love of God really has appeared. We have been justified by grace. God has given us the complete opposite of what we deserved. Instead of judgment and condemnation, God has given us his forgiveness and the certain hope of eternal life. That is how God has treated us, the undeserving. And therefore, Paul calls on us to do the same. And so he says in Titus, uh, he tells him, Stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. See, we're not to treat others the way they treat us. And in fact, we're to go even further than doing unto others as that we would have them do unto us. We are to do to others as God has done to us. We're to take the kindness and love that we've received from God and we're to show it to those who are still what we were, in fact, what we still are, undeserving. And so now if we go back to verses 1 and 2, we see just a few of the ways that we're to show this kindness and love. Uh, as Christians, we should be model law-abiding citizens because we know that God has placed these rulers over us. When we're told that we couldn't physically meet at church last week, uh, at the time it might have seemed a bit of an overreaction. But now that the government has uh, increased the social distancing requirements and specifically ruled out meeting together in churches. Isn't it a good thing that our Archbishop responded to the Prime Minister's phone call and had already told us to meet in other ways? We are ahead of the game in obeying and doing good for our community. God's word here tells us that we're to be ready to do whatever is good. Whatever good thing needs doing. 
Christians should be at the very forefront of the relief effort that will be needed as people lose their jobs and can't get to the shops. Who are the neighbours you could be helping at this time? Even if you haven't spoken to them for, you know, wear your mask, knock on the door and then stand back. But ask if you can help. Even those people you don't like. And don't slander anyone or speak badly about them. Oh yeah, I'll come to you, but I won't go to that neighbour. Uh, even if they've treated you badly. Instead, we are to be peaceable and considerate. That is, we're to try to get on with others. We should be willing to forgive them and show them the same graciousness that God has shown to us. And then as we do this, be gentle. Show the genuine generosity and the perfect courtesy that comes from knowing that we have received God's kindness and love, even when we didn't deserve it. Now is a time when we need to be kind and considerate to others. We need to show genuine generosity. And as Christians, we have a profound and compelling reason for doing this. We have received the kindness and love of God. And we are to show that to those around about us. So let me pray for us that we will indeed be able to share God's love and kindness with those around us who don't yet know his love. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing your kindness and love so incredibly to us in Jesus. Even though we don't deserve it, you saved us. You've given us your Holy Spirit and you're bringing us to your internal inheritance. Help us at this time as we face the challenge of very difficult times to keep being encouraged and strengthened by your love for us, that we might be true light and hope to those around us. Help us to show the love and kindness you've shown to us in the way that we help others. And through all of this hardship, might your name be praised and your will be done. Amen. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of our series on the book of Titus. And it's the end of our time together tonight. Well, almost. I'm about to pray for us. And then after that, I've added a little surprise. Some of our families have been busy memorising Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It's a great verse, and I hope you enjoy uh, what they've done with it. But for now, uh, I'm going to pray for us. When you have finished, can I encourage you, read the comments. And uh, why not add your own comment? Perhaps something that uh, God's done to encourage you or challenge you uh, or bring you comfort and assurance through our series on the book of Titus. But now, let me pray and then enjoy what we've added on the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us in good times and bad, hard times and easy times. I thank you that your faithfulness never runs out. Thank you for your great love for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as we enter this coming week, we don't know what it will hold, but you do. And I pray that you help us to stand on the sure and trustworthy foundation of your promises to us, never to leave us nor forsake us, but to be with us. Lord, help us to live this week to your praise and glory in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
He saved us. Not because of the gotcha things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth. And a new life through the Holy Spirit. Time!